Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. It's finally leaping over. (laughs) Should have let him storm the field. Needed Josh McDaniels on the Jumbotron. I heard there were strict orders not not, not to have that happen. Uh, but should have Adam storm the field. That's my only gripe from Saturday night. Kevin Bowen, Chris Presley, one of the greatest environments in Lucas Oil Stadium history, a win that Colts Nation will remember for quite some time, sealed by an iconic potential MVP type of moment. Uh, back another edition of Kevin's Corner for everyone traveling out there over the next few weeks. Safe travels. Enjoy the family time goes without saying what the past year plus has meant to a lot of people. So hopefully you are able to get with family and enjoy it and enjoy a little Colts football, I guess, on Christmas as well. Um, Chris Presley, I know you were traveling this weekend. How uh, how was it? It was good. Uh, I went down to Nashville. My nephew graduated from Belmont, people from the Indianapolis area. That's where Dylan Wendler, Wendler went, uh, yeah. Perry Meridian grad. who The Bruins was, of Belmont. Yeah, was drafted in the first round by uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers a couple years ago. It's a beautiful campus. It's, I mean, a couple blocks away from Vanderbilt and then even a, a couple more blocks away from uh, Broadway. Ooh, um, easy. Which could be dangerous depending on yeah. depending on when you go and Ed, where you go. But Ed, it, Education could take a backseat with that yeah. one there. But. No, but it, it was great, and I saw you had a good weekend as well. It looked like you had a lot of good family time, and then obviously you capped it off with a, a nice press box view of the Colts win. Yeah, unusual Saturday Saturday night game, but yeah, did uh, squeeze in some family time around it, and you know, you just woke up Saturday morning, Chris, and mm-hmm. you, know, you don't usually drive to the stadium when it's dark out and all those things. It was it was fun, and I'm glad that um, Colts fans got to just kind of soak up that emotion that came with everything there, and, and a football team in the Colts that I thought handled the environment better. I We, we knew this game meant more to Indy than it did New England, um, but with that, how do you handle that pressure? How mm-hmm. do you handle more of that environment? Sorry, I'm sitting so low. I, I feel like you, I'm you barely... You are a low rider here. Yeah, there. I feel like I barely see you over here. Um, you know, there's pressure, there's hype, there's juice, there's energy, can you stay disciplined? Can you handle and remember what you know your assignments and, and and the game plan is and all of those things? And Chris, I sat there at halftime, and I, I had two thoughts. First, how the hell did the Colts lose six games? That was my first thought. <laughs> Secondly, my thought was the Patriots look like how the Colts typically play in this rivalry, like undisciplined, losing the penalty battle losing the turnover battle, uh, and really critical penalties at critical moments, critical turnovers at critical moments, and then just a massive special teams breakdown. Um, the Colts have really been a extremely disciplined team this season, certainly, but I would say under Frank Reich. And the fact that they've done that, you know, for three months now, but then how they do it on that stage, that was kind of a question that I had entering Saturday night, and they continued to do it. They had two penalties the entire game. You can point to, again, massive Patriot penalties that either took points off the board or you know took them out of good scoring opportunities. And um, 
yeah, I just what an effort Bubba Ventrone and his special teams unit, of course, setting the tone mm-hmm. early. We'll, we'll get into that here in just a second. I know we got a lot of kind of crowd noise questions, I believe, in, in, yep. in Twitter's, the Twitter sphere, so we'll get to those in a little bit. But just what it means. I mean, what is it now? 11 straight games, Chris. They've had a double-digit lead. Um, you know, nearly a 90% chance to make the playoffs. You win two of your last three, you're going to get in. You you win one, you, you you still got a chance, honestly, to get in. Um, and I just think you further I, – I don't know if, like, sending a message to the AFC, like, if that gets you anything, but I think you also send a message to yourself of, like, we can beat these teams. Yeah. Buffalo, now New England. Um, I, I've brought up how the Colts have benefited from their schedule, and they have, but they also have beaten every single team in the AFC East by double digits. So, yes, they are playing the easier division of the other three in the AFC, but a Miami team that's gotten hot, they beat them by double digits. You know, a Buffalo team that's very much still in the thick of it, double digits. You know, New England as well. So, um, the Colts have gotten help, and now it's time to do their own. And they certainly did that. I thought it was a, I thought it was as, um, it was as most shit talking you're ever going to get out of Frank Reich after a game. Like, you know, Deion Sanders flaunting his chest and and Frank Reich, a little bit different. Mm -hmm. But, man, that was Frank Reich sticking it out there. And, you know, good for him. I mean, think about it. What week all year long does he get asked about the opposing head coach daily? Several questions within those press conferences. I mean, yeah, that's got to wear on you by the end of it. So... When you're able to beat that team and Josh McDaniels and that angle to it, I get a little bit of the little bit of the swaggerness. Again, Frank Reich swaggerness, you really gotta look hard for it. But as someone that sat in on hundreds of Frank Reich press conferences over the past four years, uh, that definitely was him feeling himself a little bit. And again, good uh good for him on that. So um, what a game. We'll break it all down. Highs, couple lows. Um but yeah, just just big, big. You know, we we, we said on our uh, morning show, Kevin McQuarrie leading into the game, the Colts are the more talented team. Try to reiterate, and I tweeted out again Saturday, folks. This is not mm-hmm. an above average run defense. It's yes, not even did. an average run defense. If you pound it and you stick to it, you're gonna break them. And certainly, it, it took until about minute fifty eight, but you're able to break them there and win that game. So the AFC. So up for grabs, and I continue to point back to that conference tiebreaker, Chris. I mean, yeah. you look at it right now, man. There's still four. We're recording this late Monday morning. If Cleveland wins tonight. I want to say that pushes Cincy then into the wild card race, puts Cleveland as the yeah, they AFC North right. leader. So that would mean five, eight, and six football teams in the wild card, and yet the Colts are atop the rest because of that conference record. Mm-hmm. And again, you've benefited from your schedule, but you also have beaten Buffalo, beaten New England, two teams that one of them is right there with you, the other one could be right there with you, depending on how that rematch goes for those two teams on Sunday. So, um, giant step forward, insert your Neil Armstrong quote here of whatever it is when he stepped foot on the moon. Um, <laughs> huge, huge jump, man, and two or three, two or three, and you got a reeling, very reeling Arizona team on uh, right. on, on, on Saturday night, and a banged-up Arizona Yeah, team. and it's great. It, Going back to a previous pod, you mentioned that people will text you. I know I did last night. Um, 
in terms of who do we want to win? Is this good? Is this bad? I mean, it was the same way this weekend being down with my brothers and brothers-in-law. One's a huge Buffalo Bills fan, so his kids, my my nephews are like, so dad, we want the Colts to beat the Patriots, right? Because then we play the Patriots next yeah. week. And and everyone's just, everything, it's, it's almost like the ball and cup game. Everything just keeps shifting around and Right now, the Colts look pretty good. The ball and cup is a great, great analogy. My wife and I went to um, Straight No Chaser concert yesterday. Oh, nice, yeah. Uh, kind of a Christmas present for her. And that the show started at 3.30. So, you know, very str- mm-hmm. strategically, you know, I made sure phone uh, below the leg, you know. <laughs> okay, all right, these scores there, you know. But still making, I mean, they were they were very, very impressive and, and funny, which uh, I, I definitely enjoyed. Anyways, intermission happens. I look at my phone, it's like, from like five different groups of people. Who do I cheer for? Who do we cheer for? Who do we? And, and then my my Twitter mentions and like all of that as well. So we'll try to get into a little bit of that and a lot of Titan Steelers debate yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think we had a Twitter question on that, so we will we'll, we'll save it uh, for that. But let's get into things that I liked. Yeah, obviously, the guy who sealed the game didn't go to him the first possession, which people <laughs> Colts fans and my friends were tweeting me what are we doing why aren't we running the ball but Jonathan Taylor just continues to dominate and the way he drags tacklers I mean we can put him on what we like almost every week Kevin yeah uh, honestly you can um didn't go to him on the first possession of the third quarter either I'm thinking myself did Frank Reich have a bet like we won't <laughs> Taylor's not going to touch it for these couple possessions um so much to take away from Taylor Chris we're going to unpack it all right here the thing that stands out the most. And when you get 14 games into a season, you're looking for outliers at this point. Okay, what is different? Matt Eberflus' defense, they're doing things differently than they did earlier in the year. Kudos to him because you guys know full well what my thoughts have been with that with that scheme. Um, Jonathan Taylor played 51 of 52 snaps on Saturday night. Now, to some, that might be like, oh, duh, he's a starter. He should play a lot. That is an astronomical number for an NFL running back in today's league. Um, Last year, I believe he only had one game above 70% of the snaps. And again, last or Saturday night, he was 98%. This year, I think I looked it up, he was over 80% just twice. So he goes from, you know, early in the year, 50. Then they got to November and they started to commit to him on the field more. You go to 98% with a running back in today's NFL, that's like what Barry Sanders used to do. Or Edger, I, I, I don't, I'm assuming those guys played a lot, but it's probably even more than, than they were playing. And like when you see 27 carries, Chris, like that usually speaks for itself. Like 27 carries is a big number. But think about that. He was on the field for 24 other plays that he didn't touch the ball on. One of those plays, huge blitz pickup. Yeah. Wentz to Pascal. One of those plays, the Ashton Doolin end around. You think of Marlon Mack is at the top of that running back formation that Ashton Doolin is scampering for 37 yards. Right. If Hines is in the game, you know, Frank talked afterwards, oh, we thought, you know, Deion Jackson might might actually get a couple of carries. Like, the fact that you're committing to putting him on the field, music to my ears. This dude has rare durability. He's got rare stamina. Play him. Flat out. Play him. He clearly showed... Wasn't he the fastest? Didn't he rev it up to like 23 miles per hour on that touchdown run? Mm-hmm. That, I think it's the fastest of anybody in the NFL this year. Yeah. So he played 98% of the snaps, and yet his final snap of the game, he just ran faster than anybody in the NFL did this season. Like, you have, we're all, 
all in. Everybody, get on Jonathan Taylor's choo-choo train. We <laughs> talked about the MVP back in the summer. People laughed at me. Here we are. Here we are. He, you got to have, have an MVP-type moment, and he did. Uh, that first touchdown drive, Chris, just the pile moving forward. Yep. Contact. Mm-hmm. There's four. There's six. Oh, my gosh, did he really get seven there? Like, just those runs and then that drive. Doolin at the start, and then to finish it, you know, you had the Patriot special, and again, that's Frank. You know, why, why don't you call it the Indy special? You know, right? That, that's that. That's Frank saying. Uh, you know, I think it's Frank's way of talking shit, which I, I, I don't know if it worked out well, but whatever. Um, you know full well that we've loved the two back sets, and I mean, mm-hmm. how about Hines? He had one touch the whole game. That was it. That was the only touch. You know, no, no other running back had a had a carry. And I think with that Heinz package, you aren't good enough at receiver right now to not use that more. So I want to continue to see wrinkles yeah. off of that package there. Um, the other thing I thought to myself during that game was like, remember when it was a miracle if Frank Gore got like 48 rushing yards in a game? Right. Like, remember that streak of like 50-some games without a 100-yard rusher? And now it's... You're just waiting for one, and now it's every week. Right. People are freaking out late in the game that Taylor didn't have 100 yards. He had like 90-something, <laughs> and he didn't have a touchdown. Yeah. Um, you know, the, 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 that was the other thing. So I mean, the trivia question back in the day used to be, who was the last one? Vic Ballard. And people were like, oh, I never would have guessed that. Oh, my gosh. I know. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was like, no one was tweeting at me. You're jinxing the Colts week in, week out when I would tweet that out. Like, when will this streak end? I, my, my jinx luck <laughs> didn't work uh, too well there. Um, you know, when he was drafted, Chris – the quick assumption was, ah, he'll be like Monte Ball. He'll be like Melvin Gordon. He'll be like Ron Dane. You know, just a Wisconsin running back. It's a product of the system. And I said, whoa, 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 Let's not get lazy and just group him in, into that category. Did Gordon or Ball, or hell, Dane definitely didn't, any of them run 4-3 in the 40-yard dash at Wisconsin? Any of them have the character that Taylor has, I'm not like you know, questioning these guys, although some of them I've heard some pretty wild Ron Dane stories. But anyways, um, this dude's rare. This dude's rare. And the home run element, and I guess this sets up the final play, the 67-yarder. First off, Danny Pinter says after the game that you know Quentin Nelson was sensing a run blitz. Great IQ by Quentin. You watch the play happen. Kyle Van Noy is kind of lined up as what you would traditionally think is like a middle linebacker. He blitzes. So Dante Hightower shifts a little bit to where Van Noy was, was at. So now Hightower is starting to run to his right. And by run, I just mean, you know, kind of shuffle to his right. Devin McCourty comes up to fill that gap as well. Terrific blocking by Kylan Granson on the outside to set that left edge. And then you had Fisher and, and Nelson and Pinter, you know, all kind of sliding down. So you've created this hole. That hole would have gotten Taylor, let's say, three or four yards, which is important because you need Taylor to have space to make a decision. Right. So the O-line, tight end, identifying the run blitz, they made the decision, or they gave him the opportunity to make a decision. And then it's a left foot in the ground, and that cut to the right, and Hightower and McCourty, the two most experienced Patriot defensive players, been there forever, those two miss, and it's one of the loudest cheers you'll ever hear inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, that's your MVP moment. That's your mm-hmm. Heisman moment. That's Desmond Howard you know, striking the pose. That is that for 
Jonathan Taylor. We won't get into as much of MVP, Defensive Player of the Year on this pod. We might say that for a later one, Chris. But, like, what is MVP? Is it the best player in the NFL or is it the most valuable player in the NFL? Because those are two right. totally different things. Best player in the NFL? My vote goes to him. Most valuable, now we're nitpicking. And now we're hurting him because he plays running back. And let's be honest, if Marlon Mack or Naeem Hines was your running back duo for an entire season, the Colts are probably what? I don't know. Let's just say five and five and seven. or that, They played more games than that. Whatever. The, let's say they're – how many did they play? 14? Let's say mm-hmm. they're five and nine. Now, you take Aaron Rodgers or if Blaine Gabbert starts for Tom Brady. Right. The Bucks are probably a different. So, like, when you get into most valuable, that's what hurts him. So I'm just curious. Like, I don't know. You know, but I, it is like you said. It's the, it's almost like the Heisman debate, right? Typically I mean, typically the Heisman goes to the best player on the best team. Mm-hmm. Does that hurt him? I mean, when Adrian Peterson won it in 2012, the Vikings were 10 and six. It's not like they were right. 14 and two. Um, and I think Saturday night showed it. A quarterback that's not carrying his weight without Taylor, you you don't win that football. To me, the, he brings more value than the average running back there. I also think when you compare him to his position, like, think about that. Like, Aaron Donald is so much better than every defensive tackle in the league. Yes. Look at Taylor right now to compare to the rest of the running back group. I believe it's 424 more rushing yards than Joe Mixon at number two. I mean, think about that, Chris. 400 and we, every running back in the league – no more buys. Right. Everybody's played the same amount of games. But again, it's his durability, his stamina, whatever you want to call it. He is just totally, totally looking down on the rest of his running back position. So I think durability is a good word because if you look at, and if I'm not mistaken, so right now it's if you look at the top five rushing leaders, and this is obviously we still have yeah, we got a Monday and Tuesday games. So. Here, yeah. Jonathan Taylor, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, who had a monster weekend last weekend, uh, Derrick Henry, who's been injured, obviously, and Nick Chubb. God, Henry's still up there. <laughs> I believe two through five, Mixon, Cook, Henry, and Chubb have been out at some point this season. Jonathan Chubb, Taylor yeah. has not. Right, right. And we'll see what Chubb does tonight, I guess. But, yes, um, he's available. So he's the durability a- point, and like you said, having all those snaps. He doesn't need rest. It's unreal. During the game, doesn't need rest. So, um, you know, I know some, well, he should have gone down to run out the clock. Screw it. He needed his MVP moment. He needed it there. Um, I didn't fault Leonard Fournette for doing it a few weeks earlier. Like, I I, I think that's so much easier said than done at that moment. Um, Beautiful by Jonathan Taylor, Chris. It was impressive. Um, I was not sold on New England being able to stop the run. Was it? You know, tough sledding at times. Was it a bit methodical? Sure. I mean, he was like 25 carries for, you know, like 100 yards kind of at that point. Obviously, late in the game, it was very tough sledding. But at that point, if you if you, you tell Carson to drop back and pass, you'll have half the stadium booing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that's where you're at. Gamebridge Field out Saturday, the IU fans are booing Xavier Johnson. That That's what it was turning into. Um, To do it against that box, again, credit Nelson. Yep. And I think a lot of people say, can't wait for Hard Knocks to see kind of how all of that is portrayed and seen. So, Jonathan Taylor, man, a um, flat-out stud. Chris Ballard, kudos, 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 kudos. Jim Ursay, kudos. Ursay said to Ballard in that draft room, you want this guy, go up and get him. Don't wait. He did it. 
the rest is history. Second point you want to talk about, coming a few hours off of his team, winning the HBCU National Championship, Darius Leonard and that linebacking group just played outstanding. We had the Maniac on the morning show this morning, Kevin and Query, so make sure to download that podcast, check it out, along with Jeff Saturday, who we have on every Monday. Um, the entire linebacker crew, group, Chris, game ball, all of them. Uh, Dave Borgonzi, their position coach, game ball. Let's kind of go in chronological order with the plays that were made in that room. Let's okay. start with the block punt. Matthew Adams just whips his one-on-one matchup against New England. Um, the block and then EJ Speed again gets in the end zone. Like Chris, it's one of those things where it's like you get you see guys get so happy at that point they just like jump on it and squirts out and goes through the end zone for a safety. Like Speed's done a nice job this year. And recovering those balls and then returning them in the whatever game that was that he returned it for a touchdown, Jacksonville maybe? Yes. Um, And then this one, he just kind of fell on it there. So, uh, Bubba Ventrone, you know, you you start to see this head coaching candidate list. Ventrone, like, shows up on a few of them. Um, I think he's been a bit of a hard knocks guy. You know, it seems like hard knocks has helped him out a little bit. And, boy, you think the expatriate in him was fired up. Right. That reaction on the sideline, former player, former coach for Belichick and everything. So, I mean, that that was huge. Uh, Just absolutely huge there. Um, Okay, the Leonard interception. One of the first questions I asked Darius this morning when we had him on the show is, all right, Darius, you know, I'm up 600 feet, so I don't know if I saw this, how it looked, but I saw you wagging your finger at Mac Jones about three or four plays before the interception. They threw a ball over the middle. I think Jonu Smith either – caught it or had a chance to catch it, but it was just over Leonard's outstretched hands, and I thought it was wagging his finger to Mac Jones. You do that again, and I'm getting it. It's exactly what it was. Now, that interception was thrown right to him, a little a little bit different, but that was Leonard um, once again, right, right spot, right time, and I don't think we talk about that pick enough, or at least I haven't heard it enough in the last 48 hours. New England's on the doorstep to score mm-hmm. there. Yep. That's 14-7.5. They get the ball to start the third. And, like, as much as Mac Jones had a couple of throws that I was like, whoa. Like, the Colts made him look like a rookie, and he hasn't looked like a rookie that that, that much this year. Mac Jones is a pretty good football player. Yes, he is. Now, I, there were some plays where I was like, whoa. Like, as much as Colts fans want to, you know, hate to hear it, that New England team, I don't know if they can keep it, the free agency aspect to it together, but they got a quarterback for quite some time there. Um, I mean, that's two for one in that situation. If I'm not mistaken, too, Chris, and I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, okay. They had a second and one at the 13-yard line at the two-minute warning. Mm -hmm. New England did. False start. Now it's second and six. Right. Three-yard run. There it's third and three. That's when Leonard makes the pick. The crowd was incredible, and the crowd directly influenced, I would say, three to four monumental penalties. Monumental penalties. Um, you had the offsides on Badgley's missed field goal. You had the false start late when they brought in the tackle eligible that all of a sudden made it now third and seven. Mm-hmm. Incomplete pass. Belichick decides to kick the field goal on fourth and seven. If that's fourth and two, the false start doesn't happen. He's going for it. He's going for it. Yeah. And who knows at that point. So um, credit the crowd and then Leonard making the pick. And then, and then the last one, Bobby Okereke to start the second half. The replay, the slow-mo. I think Fox does a great job with their slow-mo replays, by the way. Um, do you like Greg Olson? I like Greg Olson. I like his insight. 
I don't necessarily like his delivery. I think he will, he'll get there. His delivery is unique, and it is different than a lot of normal color guys. But it is nice, especially around the linebacker area, in terms of he'll let you know, hey, instead of extending your arms, if you go into that guy with a shoulder and turn your hips, like he'll he'll let you know some of the veteran secrets of being an underneath yeah. route runner. And right now there's so many good tight ends in the NFL and good linebackers <laughs> that it is nice to hear kind of how they play their chess game. Yeah, I, I enjoy him. Um on the broadcast, we're, we're going to try to get him on the radio show this week. I'm not sure if we'll be able to, but, uh, you know, again, the Fox slow-mo replay on the Okereke pick, flat out, Mac Jones was late on it. Like, the, uh, that was late. But that right there, you watch Bobby extend. Mm-hmm. That is why Chris Ballard drafted him. Wingspan. Run. Length. You know, length is such a popular word come NBA draft time. You know, well... There's some length there, length there at the linebacker position, and it allows Darius Leonard to tip a ball over the middle. Or Mac Jones to throw a ball a little bit high over the middle so he can't throw it on more of that, you know, kind of crisp arc and make that play there. So that that linebacker room, all of them, man. And you know what? No room. Chris Bauer overhauled more than that group. True. I mean, he has drafted everybody in there and a big credit to him for wanting to change the body types, change the athleticism in that room. And that group, in a variety of ways, have made plays and made a ton on Saturday night. So, good work by the LBs. It's coming on the heels of a big win. We talked about what we liked. Obviously, always talk about what things we didn't like. And you only have one, which is good. Yeah. Carson Wentz, though. Yeah, yeah. Um I thought early, Chris, as much as the moment wasn't too big for the rest of the Colts, I thought it just a little erratic early. You know, kind of a fastball to Pittman on that little RPO, mm-hmm. miss Pittman then on the deep ball, and, I mean, you don't get many chances like that. So um, I was curious if they how if they deviated from the game script at all after that first drive. I feel like they did. You know, because then it was quickly very committed to the ground on that yeah. very next series. I'm curious – if they were like, all right, you know, we got a horse that's a little bit antsy. We got to kind of rein him in. Um, I just thought in general, Chris, he was a little bit late on things. And that's something I think you could say more often than not this season, particularly on deep balls. Not as much deep balls on Saturday night, but just like some of the crossing stuff a tad late. He threw 12 passes. Obviously, it's a very small number. Now, he's very happy that one of those passes was right. a Naheem Hines <laughs> touchdown because that takes his passer rating from, like, 0.0 to, you know, at least something. Mm-hmm. Um, the Patriots got their hands on six of those 12 balls. That is absolutely awful. Yeah. Um, one pick, of course, and then five, I think, other passes defensed. You know, that that's horrible. And, you know, he's fortunate that another ball or two – wasn't picked off. Um, the interception, first and ten, RPO. Like to me, when I watch the replay, the numbers say handed off. Like as I'm watching the play unfold, I'm thinking he didn't make the right decision at the start of the play. Like not giving it to Taylor, and that like from a number. And again, who knows? Maybe I'm dead wrong. But from a pure number standpoint, I thought the give should have been what he did there. So he decides not to give it, so he rolls out, and at that point it's like, all right, maybe you scramble for a few yards, you dump it off to somebody, you live to see another down. 
he forces it like it's twenty to seven. The Colts are losing. Um, it it was dumber than the Titans interceptions, and the Titans interceptions were were, were really freaking dumb. <laughs> now, at that point, I'm thinking, where is Nelson to go grab Frank Reich again and say, "Hello, run it, forced runs, downhill runs, not RPOs." Like Pittman's in the locker room, and like this is the thing with Frank. Of like, and again, Frank was so good. But you get into conviction and belief, and Frank Reich wants to treat all the kids the same. They're not all the same. Mm-hmm. Pittman's in the locker room. You've got a twenty-seven lead. Like, y- you feel like they could break. You got to be smart with your decision making, and more of it is probably on Carson in that play there. But. Um, you know, it's funny. I feel like the national audience has only watched the Colts play, like, two games this year. It's New England, and it's the second Tennessee game. Yeah. So they think, like, Carson Wentz has been god-awful, which is not true. He has not been that at all. My worry comes from projecting this team in January when it's really real. And in the by far the two biggest games of the season, he's looked incredibly shaky, incredibly shaky at those moments. Yeah. So that is where my concern comes from. Um, Unfortunately for him, people didn't watch the Jets game. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Well, may, maybe fortunately for them, but yes, unfortunately for for, for Carson. Him. Yeah, 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 exactly. Josh Johnson's family very very happy to watch it, but yeah, that was probably about it. Um, this run game's too good for your passing offense to be so inefficient. Mm-hmm. I'm not expecting 350 yards, but like with how loaded the boxes and again the presence of Taylor. That passing game should be flourishing. And it's not all on Carson. It's not a great wideout core. I fully acknowledge that. And New England has got a good secondary. But still, 5 of 12 for 30-some yards. And, again, of those seven incompletions, six of them, they get their hands on. I mean, the only non-incompletion where they didn't touch it was the overthrow of Pittman. Besides that, New England is getting their hands on a whole lot of balls there. So, it comes back to the age-old question, Chris, of, what do you feel you need in your quarterback to win it all or to make a run? Mm-hmm. What do you feel you need? In the biggest games of the season, I haven't seen Cousins, Garoppolo, Tannehill out of Wentz. Like, he hasn't even been at that level. So that is where my concern comes from. Of Is this two games, and they just happen to be the two biggest games of the season so far? Or is it when the pressure rises in big games, a little erratic Carson gets in there. I think that's the question that we have moving forward. Um, you know, I'm a guy, think, and this might sound really stupid, Chris, but, like, I'm watching the Colts, and they're doing their pregame intros, and they announce the defense as the team of or as the unit, and I'm thinking to myself, man, like, if I'm building a team – I feel like my quarterback's got to be the last one running out of the tunnel against these games, you know? And, like, I totally get it. Your defense just played great, and Darius Leonard injects a, quite a roar yeah. inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. But, like, if I'm announcing my offense, I mean, I'm telling Wentz, hey, dude, you go before Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor's actually going to go after you right now to announcing. And, again, that's something – I'm trying to make a really bad analogy here, but it's just, like, can you win when your quarterback isn't that guy, isn't the guy? So, that's where we're at. I get it's 12 passes, not a ton, but at the same time, I think your efficiency within those 12 passes uh, needed to be at a higher level, and I really don't think we're going to get a great answer on this until, you know, 
real, real football, one-and-done football rises. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe Carson will, will play like the Carson we've seen for very much of the 14 games this season. But I don't know how you don't walk out of that stadium Saturday night and have some question marks with with him. So um, overcame him. Jonathan Taylor, terrific. Uh, big throw to Pascal. I, I, I will say that, that ball over the middle. Uh, the QB sneaks, good. Uh, Rivers probably doesn't do that, but, I mean, I'm not going to act like, you know, Carson Wentz's QB sneaks deserved a game ball or anything like that. They, they're big plays, but, you know, Tom Brady athleticism can QB sneak it. Like, it's not like your 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 quarterback mm-hmm. skill set totally made the difference there. So that was what I did not like from Saturday. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look before we get into Twitter questions, but just when you said that, can you win with the quarterback not being your guy, the first one I thought of was Joe Flacco. Right. Quickly, everything started rushing in my head. Okay, they had Ray Rice. We have Jonathan Taylor. They didn't really have a great passing game, but they had stuff. They did have some guys. You know, they had Suggs. We have Darius Leonard. Maybe we're kind of like the that Ravens team right now, but we'll see. You know, it, it's funny because that is obviously I think a quarterback a lot of people point to when they think about you know average quarterback play that um, got it done at a really high level. I'm trying to find it now. Flacco's. Um, postseason stats because I'm not mistaken he was like terrific oh yeah I mean that that, that postseason made him the highest paid right goal, like like that postseason was not Joe Flacco so that was 2012 if I'm not mistaken is that yes. right yes Joe Flacco in those four games six plus five is 11 11 touchdowns zero interceptions passer ratings of 125 116 106 124 Yards per attempt, 8.7 or bigger in three of those four games. So, again, that was Flacco doing un-Flacco-like things. And, I mean, you look at some of Flacco's other postseason games, and, oh, my gosh, they'll make you weep. <laughs> Not in a good way if you're a Ravens fan. So, I, I just think that's the question. Fair, unfairly, I think there's a lot of legitimacy for it, so that's why I'm asking it. Um, but, you know, hopefully for the Colts and hopefully for Wentz, we'll have that conversation Yeah, here in a couple weeks. And Wentz is done a lot of good for you again I, I keep on going back to him protecting the football has been huge and you know I just thought he flirted with disaster far too often got burnt eventually but flirted with it too much for that game to be mm-hmm. as close as it was late all right Kevin Twitter questions is going to start out keeping us with the Carson Wentz there was some some difference here in the in the, the press conference post game yeah what happened between Carson Wentz and Randall wants to know, was it Matthew Judon? Also, oh, yeah. Michael Pittman got into some things out on the field. What was said? What came from those those press conferences? Okay, well, let's start with the ejection. Um, certainly no USC pretty boy out of Pittman there. No. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, he should not have been ejected. I don't think Kyle Duggar should have been ejected. I think they both should have gotten whatever, unsportsmanlike or whatever the hell the phrase is. You bring them together. You say, if you get another one. You're out. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a rule? Didn't we adopt this too right. sportsmanlike or too taunting, whatever the hell it's called? You throw them flags for both of them there. I didn't see a punch from Pittman. I, I, I saw a little more aggression from Duggar than I did Pittman, but I'm sorry, Russ. We have not stopped five straight plays because of those two. That was the first time I noticed it, yeah. really, like post-whistle big time. Get them together. Get Wentz and Donta Hightower together or Devin McCourty, whoever you need to get together that are captains. And let's let's realize the moment that it's a high energized game, and this gets back to the whole taunting penalty that I hate and yeah. all this stuff. So I was pretty pissed at the officiating. Secondly, can we not go to the booth? Isn't that what 
replay is for, mm-hmm. an element of that, like, go there and take a closer look. And then deem if ejections are necessary. Now, or, I mean, recently New York has been coming in before yeah, the plays sure. of someone in New York watching. Right. Now, Belichick pointed out, and he was accurate, he pointed out today in his presser, T.Y. Hilton did push an official down. I really don't think T.Y. knew that was an official. I'm just kind of one of those, like, you're in a pile, you're trying to get Pittman, you just shove somebody with, with your right hand, the official falls down. So, by the letter of the law, Hilton should have been ejected. Um, yeah, I think he did make one catch after that. Uh, but still, I was just, I don't know, I just, Pittman shouldn't have been ejected. Yeah. Uh, to the Wentz thing. So, when you watch the replay, I think it's Dietrich Wise. It could be somebody else. I think it's Dietrich Wise with a throat and kind of a, I don't know, like a hand, or excuse me, like an elbow and like a wrist forearm to Carson's throat. That's what it looks like to me. Now, Carson pulled out the whole, he was impacting my ability to reproduce. That was the quote afterwards. I'm thinking, whoa, man, I mean, the Wentz family could be going to the Rivers family at some point with these kids. (laughs) That is not good right now. I mean, we don't want any part of that. If you're Zionsville School District, you don't, I mean, you got the Wentz pipeline Humming, you don't, you don't want that influenced whatsoever. There, um, I didn't see that. I, I'm not gonna act like I've been looking too deep into these things. Obviously, that's probably some bottom of the pile shit. But boy, was Carson fired up. Yeah. Was it Leonard that went out to get him, or Buckner went out to get him? Yeah, one of them. Yeah. So I, I'm up in the press box, and you know, again, you're you're way up there, and Badgley misses the field goal, and I see Wentz walk out there, and I'm like. Mm-hmm. Whoa! Is Wentz, did Wentz think it went in? Is he gonna go high five his kicker for good effort? I'm like, I'm kind of confused what he's doing out there. And then sure enough, he starts pointing at Judon. And again, I didn't see the Judon, whatever, um, you know. But when Carson said you need to keep your hands to your side, it sounds like me to Rosie when we go into a very breakable store <laughs> at the mall. You know, it's like, and Rosie's just sounding like I don't even know what that means. I'm yeah. 18 months old, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, there you go, Randall. That's where we're at. I have a feeling some stuff will trickle out. I'm sure we'll get some fines, whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, come on now. Refs, realize the magnitude of the game. Bring some people together, and let's have these two teams meet in January again. Yeah, let's talk about the magnitude of this game and the atmosphere. Niles wants to know, Kevin, how does that crowd rank in your recent memory? He was there, and he thinks it's the loudest that he's ever heard Lucas Oil Stadium. Oof, boy, Niles. Um... It's up there. Really, really up there. I would say the Taylor touchdown, probably up there with the Mathis strip against Peyton and T.Y. over the top against Kansas City. Yeah. Maybe Luck Superman, Kansas City. That probably, I don't know. I, I just feel like when you watch a play develop like that, mm-hmm. it allows for this crescendo. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the build. Like, I'm just imagining my brother-in-law and his buddies just, like, punching the hell out of each other, <laughs> you know, at the 30 and the 20 and the 10. And just just the buildup of that is just, yeah, unbelievable. Um, you know, first play of the game, Chris. First defensive play of the game, crowd stands. After three and out. I mean, yeah. That ain't happening no. when the Raiders come into town in a couple of weeks. That doesn't happen, you know, when Jacksonville's in town. I um obviously did you see the op ed in the Indy Star from last I did, week? I did not. Okay, so I believe that the guy's name is Greg from Carmel. Greg from Carmel's not happy that he has to stand at Colts games. Um among other things that he's not happy about. You know, he's got drunk fans around him, he's got long lines, whatever. He's bitching and moaning about all right. this stuff. So uh yeah, you know, part of you wants to say, Greg, welcome to a sporting event in twenty twenty one. Part of me says this, too. You know, I fully realize physical limitations are there for fans that still want to be in the building. Can we not get two sections that are sitting? 
You know, I, I at concerts and at sporting events, I never stand because I'm six four. Right. And there's always a five foot two lady behind me. Right, 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 right. And so I always turn around pre show or pre game and I say, If I'm ever in your way, just tap my shoulder right. and I will sit down. Like I can peek my head through the trees a little bit here. Yeah. It's funny to say that I was at a concert a few weeks back and by no means was I dying to like it wasn't like I was seeing, you know, Notre Dame. Like and I needed to be front row right. and needed to have, you know, tailgated ten hours early. So I was like, Hey, if I'm ever in your way, just like move me or like tell me yeah. to move but again like i get that some people want to stand and i get that some people like that's energy and that's a lot like i i totally acknowledge that so i don't know i i don't know if the configuration of stadiums would allow for it but like you know could you put a section you know let's say whatever four sections at each level that are the sitting sections or something like that and fans that want to sit you can still be in the environment and soak it in and whatnot but again maybe you don't you aren't physically capable of standing up or wanting to stand mm-hmm. up the entire game. So I'm not going to get in the op-ed. I, I, <laughs> if anyone wants to DM me about it, I, I am, uh, I, I'm 32, Chris, you know, you and I are in a different age gap, you know, the environment and the rowdiness of a game. I love it. Um, I, I know I'm not necessarily, that's the 65,000 consensus view of everybody that goes to Lucas oil, but I am a fan of, crazy atmospheres yeah i think that's what i love about sports I, an element of what i love about sports um and i think it's what it makes it you know i'm one day i will tell you know rosie and she'll roll her eyes about the colts new england game on december you know 18th in 2021 and she won't care but i i hope she will care and like that's really cool you know yeah um it's what what we love about it so yeah i agree question from greg going back to carson Wentz and his passing attack performance doesn't feel like he's getting anything done, and they or they couldn't get anything going against the Patriots. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I want to throw in. It's just not all Carson, as well, Chris. Yeah. I, I do think at times, you know, this tight end group is pretty blah in terms of just like separating and you know being like, you know, I think it's a lot of schemed up stuff that you got to get for him. The receiver group, I'd kind of push into that category as well. And I'll keep on coming back to this, Chris. The benefit of having Jonathan Taylor. That should be creating this massive advantage for your passing offense. Not necessarily. Don't fall into the trap of yards, efficiency, high completion percentage, mm-hmm. some some chunk plays, um, those sorts of things. So, right now, there are a lot of elements about this football team I really really like and think, holy hell, they are dangerous out. The worrisome is just the lack of a pass rush, and what you see from this passing offense. But again, man, Taylor's gotten to a point right now, this run game, you almost feel like it's unstoppable. <laughs> and I know that's kind of a, you know, probably a very aggressive adjective to use, but like there's elements that you almost feel like that, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. All right, we got a decently long one here from Marvin. He had his Twitter fingers going, and I don't blame him. Kevin, he's a longtime listener. First time asking a question. He hopes you and your family are doing well. Thank you. Same to you. Fired up and pumped after the win. Currently, he was on his honeymoon honeymoon during the game. Whoa, Marvin! So, unfortunately, he missed the game due to time zone differences and many <laughs> yeah. Moscow mules. <laughs> hey, wait, he's drinking Moscow. I love a good Moscow mule. Oh, yeah. Mule. Burnside downtown and my staff has a really good one. Very good. Very good. Anyway, loving what I'm seeing out of the Colts lately. Beginning of the year had me scared, but now I'm seeing a different direction and personality of this football team. And, man, is it N-A-S-T-Y nasty. And the hard knocks have been a great peek behind the scenes. Jonathan Taylor is the legit shot of winning the MVP. That should be 
discussed around the league. But Darius Leonard, for Defensive Player of the Year, he's not heard much of, if not a whisper, even about the FanDuel odds of him moving up slightly. Can we begin that conversation right now? Chris, um, thank you, Marvin. Is that the longest Twitter question we got today? It got to be, right? Yeah, Marvin was going. Moscow Mules in his blood, pumping, Do honeymoon. You, his wife's like, are you coming to bed? He's like, no, I got to no. I gotta reach out to Kevin no. right now. I know. I'm nervous. Do you think the relationship <laughs> is still intact? I'm a little nervous there, Marvin. Marvin, <laughs> let, let us know where you're at for the honeymoon. Yeah. I, I, I'd love to know. And uh, I owe you a Moscow Mule if we ever cross paths there. Uh, what a question. What a uh, what an effort. Um, man, those Darius Leonard Defensive Player of the Year odds are pretty insane right now. You know, I mentioned on a couple prop swap updates a few weeks ago, like, you know, buying a Leonard ticket, buying a Taylor ticket, you buy it, their odds skyrocket, and boom. Yeah, you can flip it. Again, Chris, Defensive Player of the Year. It technically, it's not the MVP. I think Leonard might have the best resume. I really do. Um, I get what T.J. Watt's doing. What is it? Is it three forced fumbles for Watt? Maybe four, something like that. I mean, it's still not he at the magnitude. A, yeah, he just set the Steelers franchise record. Miles Garrett's. He had right. a return fumble last week. I yeah, mean, I know Parsons didn't have a sack this past weekend, but it's hard for a linebacker. It is. Uh, it, it, inside linebacker, I, I, I should say there. But I really think if the MVP is really the most valuable player, I think you can make a stronger case for Leonard, Defensive Player of the Year, than um, Taylor, Most Valuable Player. But again, it, it's different acronyms. <laughs> you know, we're, we're we're defining acronyms here, which is stupid. Um, I mean, I really think Leonard deserves it, dude. I do. Uh, it's just the splash splash plays separate mm-hmm. it. And early in the year, he was not a hundred percent, and. You know, he doesn't have the sack numbers. That's probably going to hurt him. I don't even know how many sacks he has. It can't be many this year. Um, so, yeah, I, TJ Watt's got a lot of momentum. Got a lot, a lot of of momentum. So, I'll be curious to see how it plays out. But, you know, the nationally televised game coming up Saturday night, if Leonard <laughs> gets a turnover or two, boom. You know? Yeah. Huge. How many sacks does he have? Looking it up right now, he has. I feel like he doesn't have many, if any. I'm looking at the wrong. I don't think he has any. Ask the oh. uh, ask the next question, and then. Uh, and then yeah, zero sacks this season. Zero, really. Zero sacks. Wow. Well, that's that, that, that's going to hurt him. That is. Yeah. Coming from Cat, the Colts have several key plays. Zero. That, zero. Yeah. Man. But you look at the interceptions and force like you said. Definitely. So. Definitely. It's just zero is just a. Yeah, I know. You get a couple more in there, and then that... That's too many Kevin Bowen box scores back in the day, you know? (laughs) The Colts had several key plays that ultimately decided the game. I see this as a testament to the roster that Chris Ballard and his team have built and developed. How would you rank the following plays in order of importance? Ashton Doolin's carry in the first quarter. Patriots special teams blocked, or we blocked the Patriots special team punt and scored. Uh, The Darius Leonard pick, that would have been a touchdown for New England, potentially. Jonathan Taylor's home run run, or home run at the end of the game run, and then Bobby O'Karake's pick. Thanks for being the best Colts coverage. Well, I appreciate that, Cat. Um, I don't know if any relation to Tiger Woods, the cat. Uh, you know, Boy, him and his son cat. looked great yesterday. Trying to temper expectations. I know. He's still got to walk 18 holes. He's got to do it multiple <laughs> days. But, man, that was wow. Yeah. 
Okay, those so we, fu- so we got the dual and carry, block yeah. punt for a touchdown, the pick by Leonard, Jonathan Taylor's run at the end of the game, and O'Karake's pick. How Man, you- that's 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 good. Um, yeah. Let's go with the special teams block first. Set okay. the tone. Um, I really think the Leonard interception. Second. I mean, those plays set up Taylor in the moment. Right. So I'll go Taylor next. Uh, Doolin carry fourth. The Doolin carry was important. And then O'Karake's pick. You just love the wrinkles I see, you see with Doolin. Just doing everything. Yeah, Special teams, you know, wide receiver, yes. running. I think we got a Doolin question here in, we in do. a little bit, so I'll expand more on that, but yes. Michael said, without Campbell. Yeah. And hopefully we get him back. We can talk about that later. But, Michael, I'm 100% in on feeding Jonathan Taylor, but we shouldn't have paid Naeem Hines the amount of money on his contract with the lack of touches he's getting this year, in his opinion, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, Hines definitely hasn't lived up the contract this year. That's entirely true. But I would put more of it on his usage, Chris. Mm -hmm. So that's more of a staff thing, you know. Um, I'm surprised his usage hasn't been higher considering the lack of wideout production bodies, whatever you want to go with it. So, yeah, you know. I, uh, yeah, Heinz has not lived up to it right now. I, I still think over time he's important for you, and I do think that you need him, but certainly through 14 games this year, no. Yeah, and I, as we've told people on the podcast, we're big Heinz fans. When That pun again, I was like, oh. Oh, yeah, that was shaky there. All right, Big Bama, with Ashton Doolin's play and Isaiah Rogers, which are you looking forward to keep watching as we finish out the season and possibly heading into next season with a question mark of T.Y. Hilton and Xavier Rhodes? And do you think Chris Ballard has to make a move this offseason at either position, particularly wide receiver, to give Carson Wentz more weapons? He personally thinks they need a deep threat receiver. I mean, yeah, definitely, yes. Wide receiver is, yes, definitely. Uh, on the Doolin Rodgers thing, can I say both? Why not? You know, both, both mean a whole lot. Um, I mean, Rodgers, Chris, I thought Rodgers, I need to look up the snap counts from yesterday. I thought Rodgers really out-snapped uh, Rock. And by yesterday, I mean Saturday. Yeah, it's, um, odd. it's odd having a Saturday game. I know, huh? it is odd. <laughs> it, is, it is odd. I'm trying to pull that up. Did I tell you we're doing the shrimp eating contest before the Raiders game, Jake and I? On the field or uh, in the uh, concourse area? Touch downtown, man. Oh, touch boy. Downtown. Do you have to use the uh, cocktail sauce when you eat them? you got to use it, and you know what? Spicy food, uh oh. Seafood, that goes together like Colts and Patriots, <laughs> man. For me, for me, um, yeah, that's dude. Gonna be, that's it, tough. It, so I was over at a good buddy's of my house, Sean Esposito, on mm. Friday. You know, Sean yeah, I know Sean. very well. Um, on Friday, and he had some of it, and so I they put it on a spoon. Maddie's freaking out. I thought Maddie was gonna call nine one one and just get ambulance <laughs> set up just in case. I was able to handle a little bit of it, but. In that environment, I'm a little nervous. They say milk. It's uh, is what you need. I I tweeted out last year. That's the COVID test in Indiana. If you can't <laughs> if you can't taste or smell the St. Elmo's uh, shrimp cocktail sauce, then go see your doctor. See at the um, at the Colts complex when I do my COVID test. I mean, I'm sneezing like none other afterwards. You know, they're all, like, they, yeah. they're all like, get them out of here, get them out of here. He's got COVID, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Well, I was dead wrong. Uh, Rock played 42 snaps. Rogers 31. I don't know. I just feel like every time I look down. You saw Rodgers. I saw Rodgers in the game, but uh, both of them, I mean, both are critical. Yes. I mean, we'll see what the wideout situation looks like for Arizona. 
on Saturday night. But I think no matter what, Arizona wants to spread you out. Daniel and Colt Maniac have similar questions. We'll condense them into one. Can Carson Wentz win us a game? They feel like he hasn't really had the season that we all seem that he would have, and he crumbles in big moments. They're not sold on him yet. Yeah, you know, it's – I, I would agree. I mean, I think it's the biggest question we have. And, again, it's a big question, Chris, when talking about the platform and the stage of one-and-done playoff mm-hmm. football. That's just a different animal. Like, you can be a really, really good quarterback in the regular season and have long stretches of very good moments. But, man, you get paid this crazy amount of money and you give up a first-round and a third-round pick and all this stuff because – the position just means a whole hell of a lot, especially when it gets real. And, like, the other question I have, though, to this one is, like, can a team take away JT? Prove it. Really? You know, Joe Wiz thought less than 50 rushing yards for JT on Saturday. I'm like, Joe, he hasn't had that in 20 games. <laughs> like, And then pass rush, you know? Right. I mean, you know. I said it a few podcasts ago, the quitty pay sack numbers, yes, they were sacks, but they weren't sacks, if you catch my drift. Yeah. A little bit of not, not 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 consistent enough pressure for me. And I think he's been a little quiet in that category here as of late. So, um, again, when we're evaluating this team on the gold standard of deep January, early February football, those are the questions. This one comes from Craig. Craig, monstrous win, playmaking Players making plays, incredible game by Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner, and of course, Jonathan Taylor. Has Matt Eberflus changed his philosophy? His D at the beginning of the season was vanilla. Tonight he called a lot more blitz and pressed his corners. Was that because Mac Jones is a rookie and the trend going forward? Or is this a trend going forward as we as it seems to work? Also, what is the digging motion that the D is doing after big plays? We notice it with DeForest Buckner's sack there. Well, let's start there, Craig. Uh, and I'm glad you brought up Eberflus because he definitely deserves um, some praise. I, I thought it was also a digging of the grave, you know, like we're digging a grave for court, which is, I mean, very graphic, but at the same time, very creative. Uh, I think it's actually, Buckner, I think, clarified this at one point, uh, that they're sweeping you out of the stadium. Get or out sweeping of- you off the field. Yeah. Like, it, it's time to punt. I, you know, My older brother-in-law, him and... Um, his brother-in-law, if you can follow that mm-hmm. that family tree out, uh, they went to the Colts Falcons game a few years ago. Colts win down there in in Atlanta. I believe that was a Hasselbeck started game, if I'm not mistaken. I think DeQuell Jackson might have had a pick six in that game. And anyways, um, this guy decides to take a broom of one of the uh, Georgia Dome workers afterwards and say that the Colts were sweeping the Falcons out of their own stadium on the concourse. Now, I don't know if he was able to make it back to his car in one piece, but, again, you laugh, and I think I would laugh if I saw that happening. I I, you know, I think I would if I were a home fan. Right. I, I think I would chuckle. Winning, Being a fan and winning in a road stadium, boy, that's a really good feeling. Yeah. Really, really good feeling. Okay, uh, Craig's question. Eberflus. I think the Jets game was a wake-up call. I think it was. Now, again. Head against wall, it shouldn't take that long mm-hmm. to make it. But I really have noticed a big change. A uh, variety of coverages, a little bit more man, stickier from the secondary. I think the completion percentage has gone down. Uh, yeah, I mean, against rookies, I think he has dialed it up a little bit more. Uh, but I have noticed. I, I just noticed, I, I noticed the corner's making more plays than the ball. I thought Kenny had a couple of big plays. Yeah. I thought your stars. You know, Buckner had the early sack, which was big. 
Leonard, of course, Kenny. Um, I saw Kenny skyrocket on Pro Bowl voting. Did you see that? Yeah, he's up to. I mean, that's like got to be hard knocks, isn't it? Seriously, uh, yeah, that's a testament to his character. People watching him, who, right. who probably didn't know him, yeah. which he kind of flies. At, well, not kind of. He does he fly does. under the radar. He does. So. Fan voting has never been that he's gotten. Yeah, um, and hell, he flies under the radar. I think with the NFL, I always say this about Pro Bowl voting. I've watched these dudes vote for the Pro Bowl. They vote for their boys. Yeah. You're Chris Presley, and you played at Alabama. You're going to vote for your Alabama teammates, and you're going to vote for, oh, I went up against that dude when he played for Auburn. I'm going to vote for him. Yeah. Valdosta State for Kenny Moore. Just sucks. Shouldn't be right. that way. That's how That's how it is. Third voting fan, third voting player, third voting coach. Well, the Colts game got everyone riled up. Most people were drinking, as was Zach. He was at the game, had a couple beers in him. A couple tweeted, pops. Tweeted you during it. and said, Oh, I love these. He said, is Carson Wentz cured, or is Jonathan Taylor just covered up for him? He hoped the Colts pulled out a big W, and they did. Boy, Zach, I love it. I'd love to know the score, time of the game, when he sent this in. Because, <laughs> I mean, that could have been late, you know, <laughs> if Wentz had just thrown the pick. Um, he's cured from the disaster we saw last year. I mean, this time last year, Carson Wentz was holding a Microsoft Surface. Right. I, hell, I don't even know if he was doing that. He hated Jalen Hurts so much, he probably didn't even do that. He probably was like, yeah. yeah. Chucking it like Brady did last right, night. Exactly. Yeah. Doug, I'm going to stand over here, and if you need me, you know, <laughs> this is where you can find me. Um so, yeah, I mean, cured from that. And, I, I mean, all year long, and I think it's interesting how it's played out, I feel like the target range I thought for Wentz, I think he's been right there all year. I think he's been in that 10 to 12 range. Like, I feel like that's what we've said all year long. Reich is going to improve. And, again, minimal offseason work. So, kudos to Reich and him for getting it to that degree. Um, but the JT is covered up for him. JT should allow for even more. You know, it kind of goes back to our earlier question. So, um, yeah. Jason wants to know, is Hot Rod activated on Tuesday? Hey, did you see that post-game locker room video? Mm-mm, not yet. Okay. So, Ursay's got the cowboy hat. Oh, so, I did. Yeah, yes, yes. Someone just tweeted at me, should Jim Ursay. Hot Rod was behind him? Yeah. Yeah. Someone goes, should Jim Ursay's band play for the 2022 Super Bowl halftime show? I don't know if there's <laughs> ever been a... Easier question to answer in my life. Yes. He's, he's who is it this year? Isn't a bunch of Eminem and like. Uh yeah, so it's a bunch of the OGs out in LA. Jay-Z so I think it's somebody. like uh, Dr. Dre, Snoop. Yeah. yeah, a bunch of the Compton guys I out mean, there. Yeah. Ursay open. Hell, Ursay. Ursay opening for they, they, they open for him. <laughs> Extend halftime by another five or ten minutes. Oh, it's already God. long enough. Um, is Hot Rod at you know Hot Rod smart there? You know when Badgley missed the field goal, I don't know if you saw, but Hot Rod was. He was doing some jumping jacks on the side. No, I'm obviously kidding there. Uh, but Hot Rod in that postgame locker room, he scurried to the front there. You don't see many inactive guys get yeah. that close to the old front, but he was right there saying, Jim, don't forget about me. It's weird how, like, the end of, like, Hot Rod is healthy, and yet he's still on IR. I'm always kind of like, like, should each NFL team have, like, an independent doctor that, like, says, all right, the guy's healthy. you got to make a decision on him. Either you cut him. Or you bring them up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just kind of weird how the Colts are, and teams do this around the league. I'm not acting like just the Colts do it. Um, I still think he's got another. I, I think he's got one more kick on on the leash, Badgley. Yeah. And, and Reich said that he's not anticipating a change. Um, you know, the other thing I want to say is, since when does Hot Rod just bang home 49 yarders? Yeah, Badgley's played well. I mean, you know, I mean, I know Badgley missed one, and I know he missed the earlier one, which I think is, and he hit the one off the upright. I get it. There's been shakier moments from Badgley lately, 
But, like, I don't think you want to also, like, create more drama than you need to. Like, if you all of a sudden go to Hot Rod and then he misses a couple, now, like, this is a huge storyline that's dominating into the season. Roll with Badgley. Right. He's got one more kit. Now, he misses a 32-yarder in Arizona that's big or whatever. Now we're having a bigger discussion. But for now, I think Badgley's on the right for one more kick. Yeah, don't create storylines that don't need to be there yeah, right now. Yeah, I, I just don't think it's that prevalent. From Logan, hey, Kevin and Chris, the Maniac is playing well. Was playing so well, and Jonathan Taylor is on fire himself. When was the last time the Colts had an MVP and a Defensive Player of the Year in the same season? Love the podcast. Merry Christmas to you and your families. Well, Merry Christmas to you as well, and um, thank you for that question there. Who is this from? Sorry. This is from Logan. Logan, okay. Never? I don't know. Bob Sanders won Defensive Player of the Year, right? Unless Peyton won it that year. That was my thought. I think yeah. I need to go back and look, but yeah. I don't think Peyton won it that year. And I mean, unfortunately, Logan, it's not going to happen. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like the Pacers are getting on national television because the team had a had a COVID breakout. It's the only way the Pacers can get on TNT. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I think we're getting a little greedy there if we think the Colts are going to sweep both of them. But um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I would say never. I, I could be wrong. This one comes from Sal. Kevin, I know everyone is seeming to call Carson's performance on Saturday not very good. But when a quarterback only throws the ball 12 times, it's hard for him to get in rhythm. Yes, there was a couple of head scratchers, but I feel like this isn't the Carson Wentz that has been playing for us. Don't forget, he went three for three on quarterback sneaks and big moments. Sal, uh, totally acknowledge the early part. I get a lot of people tweeting at me about these QB sneaks and big moments. Like, folks, again, Tom Brady can QB sneak it. Like, I, I, nice plays, but let's not act like Jacoby Brissett. QB snuck it really well. I didn't see people clamoring for Jacoby Brissett's statue to be built outside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Like, nice plays, but I mean, I'm not giving up a first and third round pick because my guy can QB sneak it. Uh, so I'm not really going to go there. Uh, but, you know, Sal, you are right. 14 game sample size, you are right. This is not the wins we've seen. But in the two games this year that I woke up on the Monday morning leading into those weeks that I had extra pep and juice the two games that the crowd rose in the first quarter on third downs and the energy level was there and blue was moving even faster than he usually does in that mascot and the Colts cheerleaders brought that's been when Wentz has looked his worst so it's all about evaluating these guys particularly quarterback on just many stages it's what you do not every game is the same um so yeah I I get that there are some people that are like how dare you scold Carson Wentz? The Colts won the game yesterday. That cannot happen. Sorry. Uh, you guys know where a podcast looks at the good and the bad after wins and losses, both of them. And if you want to wear those blinders and ignore that out of Carson, feel free to. Yeah. But remember what happened in the Baltimore game when we were like, or not the Baltimore game, the um, the Miami game where he played with a little fire late? San Francisco. San Francisco played with fire late, you know, throughout that game, really. Um, Tennessee happens the next week. Boom. You see how that plays out. Yeah. Got to acknowledge it. Got to acknowledge it. Sorry, Sal. Yeah, and Jake, I know you're listening. You asked the same uh, particular question, so I want to lump you in just to let you know about the QB sneaks. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, five more quickly here Cut. from Cameron. Can you think of another running back as good at making people miss in the box as Jonathan Taylor? Also, his blitz, blitz pickups was the most impressive play Ooh, for him. Man, that was a, you know, you get an ooh and an ah during a play. Like, yeah. that was one of those. 
You know, I, I think the popular one you hear, Chris, is Le'Veon Bell. You know, his prime with Pittsburgh, certainly there. That 67-yard run, you watch that replay. What was it? Was it a second and eight? Does that sound right? Uh, it was around, yeah, because we were trying to, yeah, closing out the game. You know, the thing about that sequence, Chris, I've had conversations with Frank Reich about this. Frank loves to throw in those situations, you know? Like, for him to stick with Taylor there, that shows you how worried he was about mm-hmm. His old QB. I know he said things afterwards, but actions speak louder than words. Oh, yeah, Doolin got got the first touch, didn't he? Doolin right in for two yards. Taylor, second and eight from the 33. Going back and watch that replay numerous times now. Um, from the 33-yard line, I think McCourty and Hightower were like at the 36. So let's say they crash into Taylor. Taylor falls forward right. to the 38. You get five there. It's a third and three. What do you think they do on third and three? Well. Give it to Taylor twice. Go for it. You should. We didn't, see a, we didn't see a lot of. Uh, now that would have been. I mean, you We didn't see about. a lot of tight end targets. And we haven't really seen a lot of tight end targets. And that's kind so. of a go-to that they like in those situations. Like stick it in Taylor's belly. Dump it to Doyle. Right. In the flat. That would have been. Because at that point. You know, you had fans saying if they don't, they gotta they gotta start serving beer for the final two minutes. I mean that 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 was we were looking for barf bags. It was that was uneasy. But man, yeah. again, I I bring it up to say, Hightower and McCourty are there. A normal running back falls into them, and then it's it's still. But Taylor has, it's not that Taylor has a home run ability, Chris. He's got a tape measure home run ability, like. It's not 10, it's not 12, it's 60, right. it's 70. Um, and for that size, like you mentioned. Right. It's Rare, man. Rare, rare, rare. And it doesn't shock you. It's like the Jaguars game last year. Yeah, I was jumping up. You said like your brother and his friend. I was jumping up and down in the living room. It, once he hit that hole, it was like, see ya. He's gone. See ya, baby. Good night. Sleep tight. Kay Ferguson has two questions for you. One, assuming Taylor's run included, Give me your top five loudest crowd moments in Colts history, which you touched on a little bit earlier. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Top five? Top five. Go okay. top five. Okay. Um, and are we – is this just Lucas Oil or is this RCA Dome? Because he says your top five Colts ooh. moments. Okay, so I go back to about like – it's about 05. So, yeah, let's go back to the Dome. Okay. Uh, Marlins pick to go to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I, I really think that math is strip sack. Yeah, that was um, – the crescendo, again, of the Hilton comeback. The crescendo of Taylor's run. That would be up there. So that's what? One, two, three, four. If mm-hmm. I had to go for a fifth, it'd probably be Reggie's touchdown. I love the orange glove game against Green Bay. Yeah. The reaching out on the goal line with Woodson and the blanket in him. But I'll go with the fourth and two. You stopped him on fourth and two. But then Reggie scored the touchdown to win the game mm-hmm. a couple plays later. I'll go with Reggie's touchdown. There. Okay. And he jumps in the stands. I think his parents are right there. Almost ran over Ryan Bowen, actually. <laughs> Great moments. Yes. Number two, can the Col- oh. can we get a Colts wide receiver two jersey going like the Browns quarterback jersey with the list of names on the back? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I don't think we're again. there yet. But Do so, that one again. So as people know, the Browns, the running joke, if you look, go on Google – I think it goes from couch down. People yeah, put the it's list. It's not of, a jersey. It's a freaking dress. Yeah, people just put the list of the quarterback nameplates on the back. 
which now is probably at like 45. Right. Can we yeah. get a Colts wide receiver is two Nick jersey? Nick Mullins going now on the, on, on the shirt. Tonight? <laughs> he will be or is tonight. Baker back tonight? No, it, it is Nick Mullins. Is it still Mullins? Yep. I didn't realize Mullins has started so much in his career. Yeah, he had a pretty good run there in San Francisco. Probably 10 or 12 starts, I would say. I know. I forget. I asked Frank. Did I ask Frank? I thought I asked Frank something about, I don't know, maybe he was talking about. Oh, I asked him about Mike Strawn a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. Okay. Maybe it was last week. And he's like, well, you know, we've been pretty good at that position. I'm thinking, yeah, I've watched a couple of Belichick pressers. You know, I usually watch the opposing coach pressers throughout the week. Belichick is actually a good quote because he tells you like it is. Did like you see he, he apologized this morning about his postgame press conference? Right, right, right. He was very short, um, very short in his postgame presser. But, like, I watched the postgame presser, and, like, at least he tells you how it is. Like, we didn't do anything well. Like, Frank would never say that after a game. So, like, as someone that you want an honest opinion out of, now, is he expansive to the degree that Frank is offensively? No. But, like, I do appreciate, like, if I ask Belichick about Mike Strawn, I don't think I'm going to – and, like, the Colts wideout core, like, look like how they've looked Mm -hmm. this year. I don't think I'm going to get a – we've been really good at that position this year. I'm like, you know. Just less – for lack of better terms, less fluff. Yeah. Yeah. Like you could probably get an extra 45 minutes of sleep if you covered the Patriots. Well, I'm not, I don't know if I'm saying that, but, <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I kind of hear you out. From Salvador, our friend from uh, Monterey, Mexico, which also Pato Award, who races here in the Indy 500, Ooh, is from yes. Monterey as well. Salvador, thank you. Love it. Do you guys Pato think- Award, you talk about a great personality. Him and Kenny Moore. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he came into training camp with, with, with Kenny. That's true. Kenny, like, loves IndyCar. He does. He was out there with Joey uh, this past uh, May. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Do you guys think that Ashton Doolin has emerged as a good wide receiver three? big win for Joey Steelers. I know. It's always good when Joey Steelers gets a win. It's You know, it's better for Twitter. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I could not agree more with that. Better, you... And better for Riley Sanders. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Do you guys think that we can get Ashton Doolin, or do you think Ashton Doolin has emerged as wide receiver number three for the Colts moving forward? And I think – and. I think we have to recognize the fantastic job that Matt Eberflus has done in the last game and also the complete defense. about this? Carson Wentz, the lowest PFF single-game passing grade of the season on Saturday night. Really? Uh, I'm mean, not a big I... PFF, like, gospel person. Like, you know, whatever PFF says goes. I'm not right. like that. There's been a lot of NFL football games this year. Is that really the worst? I guess. I mean, if God, can you imagine if they took away the Heinz touchdown? <laughs> right. You know, they turned that in. Um, okay, Doolin. You know, I got to look up Ashton Doolin's stats. Has he caught more than two balls in the last month? I mean, like, yes, Ashton Doolin's made some plays, but let's pump the brakes just a hair. I, I still think it's a little gadgety, Chris. Uh, okay, Ashton Doolin has in the last five games, he's has three total catches. Yeah, 12 so, on the season. Salvador, thank you for the question, but I just cannot go number three wide out. Hell, he hasn't caught more than two balls in a game all year. Mm-hmm. So, I, I just, look, he, he's a nice piece right now, and you need him. Um, and he can kind of be a little, again, gadgety, but I can't go there. It's more of an indictment of where you are as a receiver group right now. But he, but he he's helping you. I just can't say, you know, you get into a natural move the ball down the field type of game. I still got to see a little bit more out of Doolin before I go there. All right, Kevin, the Colts season is reversed. 
we go back to front in terms of how we're playing the games. For example, Jacksonville Week 1, Seattle Week 18. Do we have a better record, the same record, or the or a worse record? Whoa. All right, give that to me again. So the season starts with Jacksonville? Season starts with Jacksonville. So you go Jacksonville Raiders, Cardinals, got Patriots. It, you it, know, you it. go back back to front. Are we better or worse at this point? Jeez, I don't know. That. I'm trying to picture the calendar, and I just can't do it, man. That's hard for me. This late, in the, that's a question you got to ask me early in Twitter questions. I, I can't <laughs> think. Um, I mean, shit, the Colts don't beat openers no more. They don't win openers no more. I mean, they lost in Jacksonville last year. I feel we're probably about the same. Yeah, I don't. You know, you, you hopefully get a win in Jacksonville. Maybe the Raiders, you lose to the Cardinals, Patriots. Te- I can't believe you know. Seattle's been this bad. I know, right? I mean, and that's the worst game the Colts have played all year, which is just, if you would have said that after week one, you would have said, where do I sign up? You know? Again, I keep on going to the back of that double-digit lead stat. That is just wild to me. You know, and hopefully, um, the, as good as we thought, as good as Seattle played against us, and as good as Arizona's looked, they're starting to fall off. So maybe we get yeah. Arizona on a back. Yeah, end and there. again, Arizona's banged up, dude. They're only one and a half point favorite. Yeah, mm-hmm. I saw that, and I, I have a feeling that will continue to favor towards yeah. the Colts. All right, last question. Hey, Kevin, this is from Logan. This might be from a high from on uh, Saturday's win talking, Cut. but he thinks Reich should be top three in the Coach of the Year conversation. We are second. We are two second-half collapses away from being a number one seed and still have a chance to be the number two seed. Would love to hear your thoughts. Always love the content. And I can tell you right now, as of this morning, Frank Reich is fourth in terms of Coach of the Year odds. Okay. At fourth. plus 1,600. I assume Belichick's the favorite. Belichick is favorite. the far favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big favorite. Um, yeah, I would probably put... Oh, boy. As I just break the <laughs> mic to end this one. I'm going to hold the mic like I'm... Uh, like there I'm, you go. Like I'm a live TV person here. Um, yeah, I'd probably put Reich in the four-ish range. I'm trying to think of other people. I mean, Kingsbury's still got to be up there. Mm-hmm. You know, their their win total couldn't have been up there. Who else? Would you put Matt Lafleur up there? I, I know he's got Rodgers, but I would. Um, I mean, you know the team, honestly. I mean, what what was the Bengals over under on wins to start the year? That is true. They have they have you know? performed very well, and as you said, as of right now, obviously we're recording before the Cleveland game. They're number one in, in yeah, their division. In the North. Yeah, I think Reich. I mean, Reich's done a nice job. I also think. I mean, I thought eleven and six the Colts would go this year. Mm-hmm. They're eight and six right now. So like, so far they're kind of like at expectation. But I think Reich in a, you know, with Wentz and, and just the limited off season, um, I think that should carry some merit. I, I don't. I'd probably extend the list to like five or six though. I don't know if I'm going top three just yet, Logan. Um, but, you know, if you're able to rattle it off and, again, I mean, the, the, the two second half collapses, I get that. But, again, isn't that some of that on coaching? Like, you know. Right. You know, you get, uh, the Ravens are two two-point conversions away from being here. Or, Jeez. you know, the Bills are a QB sneak against tennis. Uh, you know, I feel like to some degree there are teams that can kind of, you know, make that sing whatever music they want to. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, I think Frank, I, I, I'd put him in a six-ish person list. Yeah. And again, you win two or three, you dance. Right. That's all you want, man. You want to be on the dance floor. All right, coming off a big win, 27-17 against the Patriots. That's this edition's of Kevin Corner. Obviously, Kevin, Merry Christmas to you and your family this weekend, and we get to watch the Cardinals play, and hopefully we all get a big present that night. Uh, very well said, Chris Presley. Merry Christmas to you as well. To all of our listeners out there, again, safe travels. Um, we will not have a pod next week. I'm going to be traveling, doing the show remote, so it's going to be difficult to do a pod 
So if you're looking for my thoughts uh, on the Arizona game, check out Kevin and Query. That's Q-U-E-R-Y. Uh, that podcast you can find on all podcast platforms. And uh, that's our morning show from 7 to 10 a.m. every morning here on 107.5 The Fan, Monday through Friday. So we'll be back in the new year to discuss the Raiders recap. And at that point, you could be talking about a team that's clinched a playoff berth, which is you know kind of crazy to say after all the help the Colts needed here over the past month. He's Chris Preston. I'm Kevin Bowen. Again, everybody safe travels, and uh, we'll talk to you here in a couple weeks. Later. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.